0: Welcome to Destiny Moments with Angel Murchison. Today on the broadcast, I have William Wood and Justin Allen from Global Awakening. Welcome, guys.
1: Awesome. Good to be here. Thank you for having us.
0: Well, I wanted to start with you, William. Tell me how you got involved with uh, Global Awakening, and I'd like to know a little bit about your story. How did you come to know Jesus?
2: Well, uh, how I got involved with Global Awakening was very connected to how I did come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, to make a long story short here, because the Lord has done a major work uh, within my life and, and through my life, uh, I grew up in a, a home where both my parents were alcoholics. Both my parents were um, uh, lived around a, a drug culture, so I could just walk outside of my house and I can have crack cocaine or whatever uh, in my hands at a very young, young age in life. Um, they were also atheists. So I grew up with this mindset that God wasn't even real, you know? And growing up in the state of Alabama, um, it's, it's, around the, it's a Bible Belt area, so that means uh, there's churches on every corner. I knew a lot of Christians, but the funny thing is I never once met a Christian that ever said anything to me about Jesus. Never once. I knew they were Christians, but I never heard the name Jesus ever mentioned outside of the church, outside of the context of a building. And that really struck me very, very much as a, as a young boy, as a young child, and it kind of solidified in me that God wasn't real because I didn't see I didn't see Christians living their life any different. They just to went to the same parties that I went to. They drank the same alcohol and things that I did, did the same drugs that I did. Um, and so that just kind of solidified in me the, the belief that God wasn't real because I didn't see any power demonstrated th- through the church. I didn't see any power demonstrated through in, any of my friends that, that called themselves Christians. about um, the time that I was 12 years old, I was full-blown alcoholic, drug addict, because uh, my dad and my mom were, you know, they were having their own struggles and own issues with, with alcoholism, and I was left alone a lot of times. So I, uh, I just took up the same same lifestyle uh by the time i was 20 years old uh police found me laying side the road overdosed on on crystal meth overdosed on crack cocaine my clothes stripped off and i'm not really sure how how i got there you know they just found me laying side the road when i came back to i'm in laying in a hospital room and the doctors are, are, are trying to pump my stomach out get get clean my system out with the drugs that was in my system and and i heard one of the doctors say william uh I don't know if you're going to make it. I don't know if you're going to make it to see tomorrow because your kidneys are completely shut down, completely failed on you. Uh, And as the days progressed, the doctors would come in, they would check on me, my kidneys were completely failed, completely shut down, and and they were telling me that my other major organs in my body were also failing on me, and because I was an atheist, because I I didn't believe God. healed or he was real. I wasn't in the hospital room praying for God to come heal me, praying for Jesus to come save me because I didn't see any power there. I, did, I didn't see any kind of demonstration of that in my life or in the lives of the people around me. So I I just wasn't contending for that. But once again, to make a long story short, about five days I'm in the hospital room. Every day my, my organs is getting progressively worse. And one night I had this bright light literally shine right into the hospital room. And he loomed the entire room because all the lights in the room were off. And all of a sudden, this the entire room is is lit up with this light. It's almost like a spotlight. And as I began to focus on this light, I saw this figure of a man begin to, to walk toward it like he was stepping out of the light. And as this man is, approaches the light and steps out of the light into my hospital room, this power began to touch my body. Now, once again, I wasn't praying for a god encounter wasn't praying for Jesus to come help me it was just a sovereign act of God and as he stepped out of that light and that power begins to surge on my body it really frightened me I didn't know uh, how to handle this in that moment as you can imagine you know it just really freaked me out you know and this power surge in my body I'm just shaking and And this man had brown hair, he had a white gown on, didn't have any kind of wings or anything like that. But he starts approaching my bed like he's going to come and say something to me, but he's not saying anything. And every step that he gets closer to me, the power gets stronger. And and it it got to a point where I thought thought the power was going to kill me. But as soon as I had fear in my heart, there was a love that accompanied the power that came from this being that cast all that fear out, because perfect love casts out fear. And all of a sudden, I was reassured in my heart and my mind, well, this this person isn't here to hurt me. He walks right to the foot of my bed, is looking right at me, he doesn't even say anything to me, and just turns like he's going to walk out the exit door. And instead of walking out, he sits down in the, in the floor, just just sitting there, and all of a sudden, another strange thing happens. This river of water bursts from the wall. Boom, and it starts flowing right there in my hospital room. And it, at this point, I am beside myself. I'm not quite sure how to handle this experience. Now, now keep in mind, I, I came from alcohol and drugs, so I, I've done a lot of hallucin- hallucinogen drugs before, but there was something different about this experience. It was real, it was tangible. I was literally feeling something and experiencing something. Well, this man, he's just sitting beside this river of water, and he begins to wash his hands in this river of water, clean, cleaning him, his hands. And that's when I heard an audible voice speak to me. An audible voice said, The waters that you see will purify and cleanse you if you receive Jesus the Christ as Lord and Savior. And as soon as I heard that voice, everything inside of me responded. And I said, Yes! I want Jesus. As soon as I said, I want Jesus, that power that was upon my body went inside of my body. And I could literally feel the, my insides, my organs being touched by that power. But the vision or whatever it was disappeared. All night long, I just kind of tremble under this power. The next morning, the doctors come back in. They start doing tests on me for several hours throughout that day. And, and, it, and finally, they come back in with this freaked out look on their face. And they say, Mr. Wood, that's my last name. They say, Mr. Wood, we don't know how to explain this, but not only are your kidneys better, but it's as if you've never done drugs before in your life. Not only are your other organs better, but, but it's as if they're brand new. Like we don't even have any reason to keep you at the at the hospital and so they they let me go from the hospital um i call my dad he comes picks me up takes me home i receive a letter in the mail three week two to three weeks later from the hospital that i had a fifty thousand dollar hospital bill paid for in full i'm not i don't even know who paid for it wow i don't know if it was the the angel that appeared to me that paid for it or what i'm not sure it was just paid in full um I began to notice as I'm at home, I began to notice I'm not going through any withdrawals. I'm beginning to notice all the tendencies from being an addict were not there anymore and I had tried to get off drugs many, many times and after a couple of days you start going through withdrawals, you feel like you're going to die because you're not doing the drugs and so you get back on them but this time it was very different. I never, never went through any withdrawals, never had any issue with my kidneys ever again. And about four weeks into my salvation, one day I'm sitting in a, 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 in, in a room hanging out with my cousin, and me and him are just having a normal conversation, and all of a sudden I start speaking in different languages. We're just we're just talking to one another and all of a sudden I just started speaking in tongues. I didn't realize I was speaking in tongues and, and at this point I, I haven't told anybody about my encounter and so I asked my, my cousin I said, And when I got where I could speak English again, I said, what, what do I need to do? He said, well, it sounds like you need to tell your parents <laughs> And so I did. I told my parents what happened about the encounter. They said, well, it sounds like you're a Christian I said, well, what do I need to do? They said, well, you go to, go to, the, go to the store and you buy this black book that has Holy Bible written on it, and you start reading that Bible. And so I did. I started reading the Bible, and I noticed from Genesis to Revelation that there was a supernatural God that touched the lives of individuals, that, that invaded what we call impossible, that come and healed us and delivered us and set us free. And I realized that the version of Christianity that I've, that I've seen my entire life was not the version of Christianity that, that's in the scriptures. is not the same Jesus that, that's in the Gospels. And I, and I realized then that God does want to come and He does want to live in us and He does want to live through us. And so that's how I come to the Lord. Now fast forward this, uh, with, within three years I was already pastoring, uh, became a youth pastor and associate pastor at, at a church. And every single night ever since that encounter I've, I've had dreams. Uh dreaming of just going to multitudes, seeing millions come to the Lord, seeing thousands hear the gospel, millions hear the gospel, seeing people healed, saved and delivered by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and after about 8 years of pastoring, I've always known the God the Lord was going to send me to the nations at some point and at this point I had I had heard the name Randy Clark and Global Awakening Global Awakening mentioned several times by a lot of my friends, and but I they had no connection with Global or with Randy Clark whatsoever, but I just had this dream. I just had this, this vision within me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to go to the nations. Well, after about eight years of uh, pastoring, the Lord spoke to me and said, well, now it's time to send you to the, to the nations. I want you to step down from your pastorate and I want you to move to Pennsylvania and go to the Supernatural Ministry School, Global School of Supernatural Ministry. This is gonna be your inlet to meet Randy Clark, and he's gonna become your Apostolic Father. And that's the word the Lord told me, so at that point I had to trust that I heard correctly. And if you're anything like me, what I do is when I hear the Lord speak to me is I, I act quickly before I talk myself into doubt, right? Because we tend to do that. That's right. And so within two weeks, like I said, I stepped down from my position as a pastor. I stepped down, I got the church together, told them what was going on. They were they were all expecting this to happen at some point. And they told me, well, well we've been knowing this time is going to come. We just didn't realize it was right now. We were hoping it, it wasn't but we want to send you out because we love you." And so they took up offerings for me and they took up enough money to pay for two years of school without having to pay for anything and to live for two years without having to work. I was just able to go there and enjoy uh, the school. And so when I got there, once again, I had no connection with Randy or Global Awakening, and so I wasn't going to go there and try to perform for a man and try to make myself known. I was like, the Lord has sent me here, so the Lord is going to open the door for me. I'm not here to perform. I'm not here to try to make this happen. And most of the times when we try to do something in our own strength, in our own works, we actually build a resistance to the work of God. And it actually hinders what he's trying to do in our life by us trying to do it in our own strength and ability. And so what I did, I, I I purposely sat in the back of the class, didn't answer any questions, didn't share any testimonies. I didn't want to let them know that I was a pastor, that, you know, whatever, I just didn't do it. Well, one day we had to write a story of how we got saved. And I write my story out about this angelic visitation. The school gets my story. They read it and like well, Randy needs to hear this story, you know, and they give it to Randy Clark. He reads my story and just by through reading the story of how I got saved. He said, God has ordained this man. God has plucked him from the pits of hell And he's ordained him to preach the gospel. I want him to travel with me. We had never met. And so the school calls me and says, Well, Randy Clark wants to meet with you. As soon as I walk in the door, I sit down. Randy says, Listen, I've read your story. (laughs) It's one of the most amazing stories I've heard. And I want you to start traveling with me as an assistant, as an intern, and potentially becoming an associate evangelist. And, And I was like, Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell him what the Lord told me. I said, well, it's funny that you mentioned that. The Lord actually told me to come here specifically. To, 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 you're going to become an apostolic father. I'm here to serve you and your vision. I'm actually here to stay if you're willing to take me in that fashion. I said, because I'm not here to waste your time or my time. And he kind of chuckled, you know. And he said, <laughs> "He said, okay, well just come travel with me for six months or so, and let's see what happens. Well, within 10 months, uh, he had brought me on staff full-time for Global Awakening, and now... Uh, this past October 2017, I uh, just started traveling full time, going to nations of the world, just like I've always dreamed, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, seeing people saved, healed, and delivered with the gospel, and so that's just that's a short version of how I come to the Lord and and, and came in contact with Global.
0: Now I heard you tell, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, tell us yesterday a little story about how you practiced your your. Uh, <clears throat> Preaching, you got to tell the listeners that story.
2: (laughs) Well, it's actually funny, you know, because I'm by personality, I'm I'm really an introvert. So when I came to the Lord, I didn't want to allow my personality to define my destiny, I didn't want my personality to hinder the call of God on my life. And I knew I was called to preach. So for me, the only way that I felt comfortable preaching in front of people was getting some practice time under my belt. And so what I started doing was looking, preaching to myself in the mirror. I started off in the mirror, preaching to myself, leading myself to Jesus. I mean, I would practice the altar calls on myself, and it was just a strange thing. But But the way that I was looking at it, I wasn't preaching to myself. I was preaching to you. I wasn't preaching to myself, I was preaching to the millions of people that I would one day see. And that was how I was seeing it this entire time. Every day I would preach to myself and I would practice this for a couple hours a day. Well, about three months or four months into um, doing this, uh, I had just recently moved into a new home. My next door neighbor has has this little little girl, 10 years old, she brings over this gift to me she says well i have a housewarming gift and she pulls out from around her back this little box with a kitten inside of it you know and i'm a guy and i I actually love i love dogs and (laughs) and so for me to receive to take a cat is a big deal for me it's like a big sacrifice you know (laughs) so i didn't want to really just break this little girl's heart and tell her no so i took in the kitten and 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 started taking care of it well one day i'm preaching to myself in the mirror practicing my gospel practicing my messages and this little cat walks in and sits down and starts listening to me preach the gospel now. (laughs) And so I noticed this. Day after day this cat comes in and listens to me. I said, well, this is strange. I'm gonna start practicing preaching to the cat, you know. And I know this is kind of weird, but once again, it has nothing to do with the mirror, it has nothing to do with the cat, it has everything to do with me preparing myself to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the the thousands and to the millions of people. And so one day, I'm practicing preaching on the cat, and I'm practicing my altar call, and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I know I'm ready to preach the gospel when the cat responds to a salvation message. (laughs) And this is no lie. I'm, I'm preaching the gospel. I'm, pre- I'm practicing my salvation message on on the kitten. And I looked at and and I named my cat Cookie. You know, because we're from Alabama, we we name all our all our animals you know food names because you know food's a big deal in Alabama. And so I named my kitten Cookie. And I said, Well, Cookie, do you want Jesus? And sure enough, as soon as I said you want Jesus, this kitten said meow, responding to the gospel. Now, now I'm not trying to create a theology where like we're leading animals to Jesus, but once again, it has nothing to do with the animal. It has everything to do with the preparation of myself to preach the gospel. Well, that took. That was probably six or seven months into this. Now, I could have went home, and I could have been and could have com- grown to complained about not having opportunities to preach about nobody opening up doors for me to go and share the gospel but instead I actually went and prepared myself for the gospel I went and prepared myself because I knew I was called and so I wanted to partner with that call and do something even though it may sound crazy even though it may be outside of people's boxes but I was willing to do something well two weeks after I leave my cat to Jesus <laughs> <laughs> sort of
0: my, sounds funny.
2: My pastor calls me and says, "Well, William, I want you to start coming with me to to the county jail, and I want to give you an opportunity to preach." He didn't know i had been practicing for six months, you know, and I had wisdom on me at that point. I didn't tell him I was preaching to my cat, you know. I didn't want him to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> tell me to stay home, you know. And so he takes me to the first cell and he says, "Actually, William, I want you to I want you to preach to the message today." Like I said, he didn't know i have been practicing for six months and, I, and all of a sudden I open my mouth and I just I go for it. I mean, I preach the gospel hard and every single man in the cell gives their life to Jesus right there in the moment. Amen. And it was that moment right there that I knew. Amen. God has called me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ that when I pr- proclaim his name and I lift him up and I speak the good news of Jesus people are going to get saved and healed and delivered. Amen. And I actually stu- I actually did that for two years, every Sunday, went to that jail, went to every cell in the county jail and preached and led hundreds and thousands of people to, to, to Christ. So that's, oh, that's how I happened. <laughs>
0: praise God. Well, thank you for sharing that. that is, that's a wild story, but I love it. <laughs> well Justin, tell me a little bit about you. How did yeah. you come to know Jesus?
1: Well, I can't remember a time in my life that I didn't know about Jesus. So I have, like, the the story of raised in a Christian home in church from birth. Uh, My parents sang in the choir and did special music. I was raised in the Baptist denomination, Southern Baptist, in uh, South Florida and then East Tennessee uh, for a little bit. And so there wasn't a time in my life that I didn't know about Jesus, that I didn't know about um, the Bible and Bible stories from from being little all the way up. Um, But that being said... Uh, In the denomination in which I was raised, we didn't have a grid for the gifts, or the supernatural. Uh, we, we weren't against healing, we weren't necessarily for it. Like the extent of uh, our experience with healing ministry was gather the elders around, anoint them with oil, and hope for the best, right? Uh, I think that's what the Bible says, but probably not. Um, and we didn't have a problem. We, we would always, I would always hear stories about the mission field and miracles happening on the mission field. And for some reason, we thought God was more powerful on a distant land somewhere. Um, but in, in the good old US of A, we didn't know that God could move. And uh, I I came up. I I got a strong call. I got saved around the age of seven. Uh, I just remember distinctly laying in my bed. And I had an awareness at seven years old uh, that I needed Jesus. Uh, And it wasn't like a condemnation thing because... Uh, The circles I was raised in, they have a heavy emphasis on salvation, uh, uh, repentance uh, and salvation, but not much past the cross. It's like, get you to the cross and you stay there for the rest of your life. But, you know, there was a death, burial, and resurrection, you know, ascension, all of that stuff. God gave gifts to men. We didn't talk about that a lot. Uh, But I I remember distinctly uh, being aware that I needed Jesus, like for me, not just because people told me. I was like, I'm aware that apart from Him, I can do nothing. So I, I can remember laying in my bed. Spirit of the Lord uh, con- convicting me that I needed him and uh, giving my life to Jesus. And I felt a, 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 like a, a shift in my life at seven that was notable. I was like, okay. And, you know, I did what seven-year-olds do. I went about my life, you know. It's like I had Jesus, but I didn't really know, you know, what does that look like in a seven-year-old? Sometimes it just looks like you just live your life. And uh, I, I was always involved in church, youth group, ministries, and this, that, and the other. And uh, I think I was 14 years old. Um, I went on my first mission trip. I went to uh, Honduras and I just, I, I went because it was the first trip that I could go on missionally at 14 years old. It was a cutoff age. So I was like old enough to go with the, the big kids and uh, my eyes were opened uh, to a reality that was different than the one I was exposed to. And I started to realize that, that my reality was not the reality of the masses. And uh, God kind of reshaped my paradigm for what life in and, and Christianity was. In comfortable Christianity, I saw people that grew up in uh, uh, abject poverty and like all sorts of different things and that were very happy with Jesus, people that depended on Jesus. Like, and, it, and it marked me. And uh, uh, it was actually in Honduras is where I ended up getting called. Uh, I don't remember if it was that trip or another trip. Um, but I remember distinctly the Spirit of the Lord coming to me And uh, I didn't have language for the encounter then, but I knew that I was called to ministry, that I would give my life for the gospel. And I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't have a grid for what I do now. I didn't have a grid for revival or any of that. But I knew that I would preach, teach, and train people, like disciple people, because I knew about making disciples. Uh, I knew that's what I would give my life for. And even even at 14, like this awareness that everything I needed to know was in the Word of God. It's crazy because, you know, and I've been a youth pastor since, but I had a strong, insatiable desire for the Word of God from 14 on. I still do. I still love the Word. Um, But I dove headfirst in. And when I got my call, I somehow knew um, that if everything I needed to know about life and everything would be found in the Word. And uh, I just, I consumed the Word. I dove in. um, I ended up uh, getting into I led worship for a number of years within youth groups and, and college groups and stuff like that and I had no grid for the idea of preaching. I, I just I, I didn't didn't have opportunities as a teenager um, and uh, I think the first time I preached was actually 16. We had like a youth night and the, and the youth group uh, the youth pastor was like, hey, uh, you know you've expressed a call to ministry would you like to take you know <laughs> the wednesday night service and i you know prepared and had 10 pages of notes and as william said earlier i think i was done in like two minutes and uh <laughs> you know it was i'm sure it was powerful and <laughs> short and sweet to the point uh, but that was the first time and but i got this taste for like man i i feel like i'm most alive when i'm when i'm conveying the gospel to people when i'm talking to people about jesus I loved worship, and I loved uh, those those encounters, and we actually had some sweet times where the Lord would crash in, and though I didn't have a grid for the Holy Spirit, if you're a Baptist, you know how to say the Lord laid this on my heart, right? Uh, Which is just, it's all in the language, right? And the Lord was speaking to me prophetically, and I was discerning environments, shifting atmospheres through worship. And actually, a lot of my training ground for the prophetic was when I didn't know I was being trained for the prophetic. So uh, through worship, I would say, I feel like God's doing this. And the Lord would actually begin to crash into those meetings. uh, And sovereign glory would fall. And, you know, those those times where you just get into the presence of God and you can't get back out of it, you know, in two hours. We even had encounters in my youth group where we would be worshiping. The Spirit of the Lord would fall in. There would be corporate repentance. Kids would run up, like, unprovoked. No biblical precedent for this. They would get on the mic. They would say, I've been doing this, 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 and this, fall on their face and weep at the altar. People would get saved without the gospel being preached. Uh, and well, we were in a Baptist church, but people were falling out, we didn't know what was happening. And it also ruffled some feathers uh, <laughs> within the church. So this is all happening. And, and as I'm reading the Bible, I'm seeing this theme of the Holy Spirit and and tongues and power, and I was hungry and I was just going after God, and I, I kept noticing that every time I would ask people about this, they would try to explain away the power, they would try to explain away the supernatural element and why God didn't do stuff, and I became very frustrated because my heart was burning inside of me for a greater expression in um, a greater demonstration like I had not seen the things that I was reading about and I was always told you know if it's in the Bible you can have it and then all of a sudden uh, that's not the case anymore. Long story short we begin to pray and cry out and I just would read about revival. I got some old books on the Welsh revival and, and, and all this stuff and my heart was just ache for this. I'm like God if you still speak to people, if you still do things would you do it for me? Could you do it? And uh, I just really got dissatisfied with what I'd seen And uh, my mom loves yard sales and she goes to sales and stuff like that all the time. And she knew that I was interested in prayer, like A.W. Tozer and like all of these old revivalists. I was just digging, once again, in my teens, not normal. Um, And I was just hungry for this, and she's like, I found this book, and it seemed like something you might like. This guy's got a weird name, and it was a Smith Wigglesworth book, and I had never even dipped my toe into the waters of charismatic craziness Mm -hmm. uh, like when I read this book. And I read the book, and I was like, this guy, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, is this a real thing? Long story short, I'm reading all these books on revival, all of these people, these moves of God, and I'm just dissatisfied. Fast forward to a service on any given Sunday, relatively, dare I say, dead. There wasn't a lot going on. And I'm sitting somewhere. I think it was announcements. You know, like there's announcements, there's worship, there's transition, there's a message. And then there's the altar call. Every every service has an altar call. This was not any of those appropriate times. I think it was during announcements. And I just felt this, like this grief, this ache, this groan that I couldn't get out in words. And I just ran up and I laid down on my face at the altar. And it was more of a complaint honestly i wasn't holy it wasn't like set apart but i was like god i just want more than this and somewhere there i was doing that my language changed and i was sovereignly baptized in the holy spirit uh, there in my baptist church nobody laid hands on me it wasn't one of those moments and my language changed and it scared me because my whole life I was told that stuff was of the devil. I don't understand their thinking or the theology for it, but I was scared away from things of the spirit. It wasn't just like, don't touch it. It was like, if you do, they're going to get you kind of thing. And so I'm laying here as in, and in language that I don't know is bubbling up inside of me and it scared me. And I also knew that it hasn't gone well for other people that have dipped their toe into these waters in the past. So I jumped up, I covered my mouth and I ran out into the, the back of the church and, uh, just still bubbling up, you know, all of this stuff. And I said, Lord, if this is real, I want more of it. If it's not, please take it away. And the rest is history. Would you believe I got more of it? Um, Just a a few weeks after that, um, our our music ministers there at the church were Closet Charismatics. And uh, they said, hey, we're going to start a a home group Bible study, and we want to talk about the kingdom. Well, one of the themes I'd seen in the books that I was reading is people talked about the kingdom. And I knew in Matthew it referenced the kingdom, but I had no grid for the kingdom. I had no grid for why the garden was a thing. Adam and Eve confused me. I was like, why is that even there? And uh, we went to this Bible study, and we just went through a Miles Monroe, like, introduction to the kingdom. And it, it was like I heard the gospel for the first time. I was like, this is why the cross is important. This is why the garden's there. And when I realized God was restoring us back to like it never happened, I was like, this gives me the legal framework and president as a good Baptist. I've got my scriptures in order. It was like God took all of the miscellaneous pieces of scripture, linked them together, and all of a sudden, everything made sense to me fast-forward to the next week after that or a couple weeks after that the same Bible study I hadn't told anybody of my experience or anything like that they say we want to show you a documentary Uh, it's a little weird it's a little out there so we're only gonna show you parts of it and uh, they said it's called finger of God a documentary by Darren Wilson that documents all the ways that God moved and I was like so new to this it blew my mind and I remember watching the Bethel School of Supernatural ministry students go on a treasure hunt sit down with notebooks write down what we think God's saying, and then go out and find the people and pray for them. And I thought literally that I was going to explode or my heart was going to beat out of my chest because I came alive inside in a way that I cannot describe as I watched it. And I was like, now that I've seen this, I can't not do anything about it. That's not the right language, but like, there's no way I can see this and do nothing. And my best friend was there with me. His name's Dustin. And we got through afterwards. And this was like, Mind you, this is radically outside of our grid for anything. So even the fact that we're watching this, doing this as grounds for getting excommunicated from our gatherings. And uh, I was like, man, did you feel anything? And he's like, yeah, I I felt it too, man. It was wild. I was like, we got to do this. So we agreed that we were going to start doing what we saw them do. So literally immediately, uh, we got together and our weekends were filled with the first time we went out. We got in we did exactly what we saw. We got a notebook, sat in the car and prayed and asked God, "Where do we, where should we go? Who are we going to minister to? What's going to go on?" And we thought that we were going to come back with our tail tucked between our legs embarrassed because we had tried something and it failed and ended up seeing the glory and goodness of God the first the first time we went out. Radically accurate words of knowledge, the presence of God showing up. We intended to be out for 30, 45 minutes. It was three, three three and a half hours, UT campus in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, one God encounter after another, after another, and we were hooked, and the rest was history. Um, it was some of the greatest seasons of my life. I had no grid for the charismatic, and the Lord began to train us out of that. I never aspired to build a ministry or start a ministry. I wanted to minister for the Lord, uh, but I wasn't. It wasn't a goal. I just, out of the overflow of what He did for me and what I saw, uh, ministry started to birth and word got out that there was these two guys in East Tennessee that were praying for people. Uh, We started to get phone calls from people we didn't know. We didn't have cards. We didn't have, like, there was no way to get in touch with us. And we'd get a phone call. It's like, hey, we hear you pray for, for really sick people. And sometimes they get better. And we're like, we do. But who are you, and how do you know who we are, and how did you get our phone number? So we started actually having to schedule appointments with people at businesses and terminally ill, and we saw just tons of stuff, and uh, that's how it started. Uh, and it, we were just green and didn't know what was going on. So yeah. So
0: God opened those doors. God for opened you. all the
1: doors. Yeah, he yeah. he definitely did. And it's much easier when he does it. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> Better when he does it as well.
0: Wow. So that's quite an opposite story. Mm. You grew up in the church. Yes. And you grew up in a home that was atheist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we know in our culture today. I mean, I, I know the area that I live in. It is, drugs is rampant. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the there's a lot of um, suicide, a lot of a lot of youth l- losing hope. Um, there's lots of issues. Mm-hmm. They need an encounter with Jesus Christ.
2: That's
0: right. So on that note, I would like to ask each of you, to pray, from my region and for the youth of this nation, mm. to the nations, mm. because we know that Jesus is the answer. Yeah. And I love awakening. We did an Elagash awakening from the tip of Maine, and we said, um, open up ancient gate, mm-hmm. open up ancient gate, and let who in? The mm. king of glory, amen? Right, yeah. come on. So William, let's start with you. Will you pray for um, our listeners and the youth Today,
2: absolutely, absolutely. Well, Father God, we just thank you so much uh, for loving us unconditionally, Lord. That that when you went to the cross, you didn't just die for some people, Lord. You 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 paid the ultimate price for every single individual on the face of this earth that so chooses to respond to you. And respond to what you, you've done on the cross, Father God. And Lord, we just thank you that you think we are to die for, Lord. We just thank you that for the joy set before you, you endured that cross. And we thank you that we are we are that joy that was set before you, Father God. And Lord, I just speak right now over, over this nation, over the region right now. And even as you gave, came to me with a sovereign act, Father God, and you supernaturally visited me in the hospital room when I was in unbelief, when I was an addict, when I was when I was uh, in doubt. Father God, you still chose to step into my life. You still chose mm-hmm. to bring a divine encounter that changed everything in one moment. So God, we just ask, do it again in this nation. Do it again in the youth. Do it again in the region, Father God. That there will be spontaneous encounters that people will begin to have that would set them free. The things that they think that would take them 30 years to get over. One step Jesus. One step in yeah encounter with you everything will change everything will break off god and even as it says in romans chapter 8 for the for all of creation is awaiting eagerly for the revealing of the sons of god and i just speak to the christians now and i speak to the hungry ones now i say arise and shine because your light has come and the creation around you the people around you they are waiting for you to be revealed as a son for you to be revealed as a daughter and proclaim the gospel of jesus christ
0: Amen. Justin. Yes. Will you pray for our nation, for the youth, for our listeners today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I just want to release right now in the name of Jesus uh, a breaker and a breakthrough anointing over your life that where you feel like you've been in, in, in chains that are restricting you from moving into your destiny and stuff like that, the lies and the accusations of the enemy. I just render them null and void by the Spirit of the living God, and I declare over you that there's nothing holding you back, there's nothing restricting you. I release encounter with the Most High God. And I even declare over some of you as you go to old habits and old cycles where you're using or or binging and this that and the other that God's actually going to speak to you in the midst of that and break you out of it and historically in the Jesus movement God came to people that were on LSD trips and acid trips and he ruined their high when the most high steps into your situation there is nothing uh, that will satisfy other than him again so I declare over you a season of blinding light encounters, a season of sovereign encounters uh, where the Lord comes and gets what belongs to Him. And I'm telling you that He loves you with a love that you do not even understand. And I declare that addiction is broken in the name of Jesus. I declare that depression and hopelessness is broken off of you in the name of Jesus, that when you see Him, uh, that Christ in you, the hope of glory, will be something that begins to manifest. Uh, So I speak to all issues of fear, panic attack, uh, anxiety, and even night terrors and I command them to be broken off and I declare a season where God's gonna speak to you in the night uh, where God's gonna tell you about why you're on this planet and uh, loose you into your destiny so God I bless them in the name of Jesus and even the, the issue of suicide and suicidal thoughts God we break that by the Spirit of God and I'm telling you God has a plan for you he's got a hope for you there is destiny on your life and in your best uh, best life is lived with him Uh, So let God arise and his enemies be scattered. I'm telling you, uh, Jesus is coming your direction, so you better look out.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you, William, and thank you, Justin, for joining me today. Mm -hmm. And thank you, listeners. Mm -hmm. Tune in again next week for another broadcast of Destiny Moments.